I don't need someone to discover Noah's Ark for me to believe that Noah existed and the story happened exactly the way that the Bible teaches. I believe in the story of Noah because I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible, in the plain English words of the Reformation text, is the foundation of all truth. I believe what it says with or without external proof or corroboration. I don't have to have archaeological discoveries. I don't have to have science confirm that what the Bible says is true. I don't need historical data. I know it sounds kind of narrow-minded and to the modern pseudo-educated mind it might even sound foolish. But I believe what the Bible says is true because I believe the Bible. I don't have to have it corroborated. However, if they did find Noah's Ark buried somewhere, that would be pretty cool, I'd have to admit. And you would too. Now, hopefully it would only be fuel to the fire of faith that is already burning. But I wouldn't really, honestly, in my heart, have any more faith that the story of Noah is true simply because somebody discovered an ark. I believe the story of Noah is true because the Bible says it. But, if we're honest, if Noah's ark was found somewhere in the mountains of Ararat, it would be really, really neat, and it would be really, really encouraging. And I think it would serve to remind us all, not as proof that the Bible is true, but a reminder that what the Bible is saying is true. Now, in the same sense... I don't need external proof or cooperation to tell me that there are spiritual beings of a satanic nature, along with the devil himself, that we as believers are at war with. The Bible itself is very clear that there is a spiritual world around us, and that as believers, we are to be armed in full spiritual armor, because spiritual warfare and attacks are a reality. Of course, you're familiar with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary as a roaring lion, your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You and I, as Christians, know and believe that there is a spiritual dimension, a para-reality, so to say. There is a spiritual world in which there are spiritual beings that we are involved in a spiritual conflict with. We know that to be true because the Bible teaches that to be true. However, over the last couple of weeks, in reading some material for research for other things, I came across some information that served to bolster what the Bible has already said is true about the reality of the spiritual world, about the reality of the invisible dimension. And in reading these other writings, what makes it very interesting for me, and I hope for you, is that there are three claims coming from three very different men with three very different spiritual backgrounds and frames of reference. And yet all of them are saying the same thing, and all of them ultimately are lining up with the Bible. 
They don't prove the Bible is right to me. But it does add fuel to the fire that you and I, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are involved in spiritual realities, in spiritual warfare, and it's high time that we get our mind out of the solely exclusive materialistic world and start living as spiritual beings in a spiritual conflict. These three authors are about as far apart on the spectrum as you can possibly imagine. The first is Graham Hancock, the writer of The Fingerprints of the Gods, and this particular book that I'll be quoting from is called Supernatural. I don't recommend the books at all for any young Christian. I'm not even sure how to define him other than maybe being a para-historical archaeologist, a para-scientist. The other writer is Trevor James Constable. He wrote the book called The Cosmic Pulse of Life. And he has a tremendous, uh, heavily saturated background in the occult. And then the third book is called The Road to Reality, a book by a great missionary by the name of K.P. Johannan. And I do highly recommend his book. All three of these men, in their own way, discuss a spiritual reality. And when you connect the dots, it should serve to remind us of what's going on. Let me um, read to you for just a moment from Graham Graham Hancock's book and listen to what he says with spiritual Christian ears. He says on page 101, Yes, by all means, the beings that these drugs brought me literally face to face with might just be illusions of disturbed brain chemistry, as Western scientists claim. But they certainly hadn't seemed that way to me. On the contrary, everything that these two plant-based hallucinogens had put me through had felt very strongly and convincingly like the opening of doors into other and entirely different levels of reality. The experiences had been profound, deeply moving, thought-provoking in a lasting way, and also in one case, weirdly menacing and terrifying. He goes on to say, My intuition was that I had been afforded glimpses, however brief and however distorted by my own cultural preconditioning, of beings that are absolutely real in some modality, not yet understood by science, that exist around us and with us, that even seem to be aware of us and to take an active interest in us, but that vibrate at a frequency beyond the range of our senses and instruments and thus generally remain completely invisible to us. Let me read a little part here again and clarify what he just said. My intuition was that I had been afforded glimpses of beings that are absolutely real, that exist around us and with us, that even seem to be aware of us and to take an active interest in us. Now that was not written by the Apostle Paul, and that was not written by a Baptist preacher. That was written by a man who probably does not believe in the God of the Bible, does not believe in the Bible based upon all his writings, does not believe in Christianity as you and I know it, does not believe in the things in the King James Bible. He, he doesn't believe in any of that. 
And yet his experiences and his encounters tell him that there is another reality and that there are beings in this other reality that are frightening and menacing and interested in the affairs of men. I take you back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's very, very profound to me. That's very profound to me that a man that has no faith in the scriptures has encountered a truth that the scriptures have said is there. Now we come to the book, The Cosmic Pulse of Life, by um, Trevor James Constable. I'm reading now from his book on page 250. And he said, the president, and uh, this book, just so you know, was written many years ago. He's going to be referencing Nixon and LBJ. He said the president was deceitful concerning his income tax. The verbal environment in the innermost sanctum of the White House, the political and spiritual center of America, becomes saturated with constant profanity. Now, I would beg to differ with him about the White House being the spiritual center of America. But I want you to notice the next few lines that he says. Very, very important. This is a man deeply saturated and deeply educated in occultism. He says, The power of words is never underestimated by persons of occult knowledge. If a man uses constant profanity, he creates for himself a psychic environment that is profane. If he surrounds himself with profane men, their profane force is added to his. Soon there is created a profane center wherein flourish unseen beings with profane motives. Such an environment is derogatory to spiritual progress and perfect for enemies of spiritual progress. Now, if you didn't get what I just read, you ought to back up and listen to that again. This is not coming from a man who believes in the Bible. This is not coming from a man who believes in Baptist doctrine. This is not coming from an evangelical Christian or liberal Christian. This is coming from a man that is lost and on his way to hell, who is educated in occultism. But what he says right there is that there are beings and that these psychic, spiritual, other dimensional beings are drawn and attracted to the environments created by people. He goes on to say, such processes as these, opening American life and fortune to control by the powers of darkness, created America's downskidding fortunes and descent from grace and respect in the world. That's a stunning statement to me. The Watergate exposure caused the whole festering mess to erupt in full public view, but many didn't recognize salvation when it came. Consolation was sought in mere party notions, and Lyndon Johnson was just as bad as Nixon. That is not the point. Under LBJ, profanity also prevailed at the spiritual center of the nation, 
and the American direction was also downward. The relationships and facts are all there if we will but look beyond illusory superficialities. Now, again, I draw your attention to that line. If he surrounds himself with profane men, their profane forces added to his, soon there is created a profane center wherein flourish unseen beings with profane motives. That's the key that I want you to get. Unseen beings, not unreal beings. Not beings that are figment of Christian imagination. Here is an occultist. Here is a parascientist. Here are two men that have no vested interest in Christianity whatsoever. Both of them deeply, profoundly believe that there is an unseen world, an unseen dimension, unseen beings that are malevolent, that are negative, that are frightening, that are harmful, and what they're seeing lines right up with the word of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now when the dots are connected, you better be able to see the picture, Christian. You better be able to see the picture. Now we come to the third book that I was reading, a book called The Road to Reality by K.P. Yohanan. Again, I'm going to take just a little bit of time to read his story here. But in chapter number 11, page 93, he says, I will never forget staying with a family as I was traveling to preach in conferences in the United States. As I went to bed that night in the room that was given to me by this family, I discovered for some reason I could not sleep. I felt as though I were in a haunted house. I began to have nightmares, and soon a terrible and unreasonable fear gripped me. In a short time, I woke up and realized I was under attack by what the New Testament calls the fiery darts of the wicked one. I was not alone in my room, but demon spirits were attacking me. Now let me just pause and say, this this isn't your Benny Hinn, uh, run-of-the-mill, goofball, nut job on the TV. This is a real man of God and a real preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who's saying here that he believed that in this room, of this home that he was visiting and staying in, he was under direct attack from demonic spirits. I mean, it wasn't just that he ate pizza at a late hour. It wasn't just because he was in a bad mood. I go on to read, Recognizing Satan as my enemy, I rebuked him in the name of Jesus and eventually went back to sleep. The next morning I got up and I heard a demonic rock and roll beat coming out of the room next to me. The door was open and I looked in as I walked by. I was shocked to see plastered all over the walls in that room many lewd posters of rock stars. Some were half naked and others were dressed in leather and chains. From the very expressions of arrogance and sinful pride on their faces, I could see that the pictures resembled idols of the demon gods worshipped in the darkest temples of Asia. Now, if he were in Asia, or if he were in the deep, dark heart of Africa, or if he were down on the Amazon somewhere, 
Most of the time we would give the guy a break by saying he was encountering spiritual darkness and demonic activity and beings from other dimension. But the fact that he was staying in a home in middle-class America in the United States of America, we almost kind of poo-poo that. We kind of scoff at that and think, well, really? I mean, really? Spiritual beings fighting against you? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Not because these men say so, but because the Bible teaches that. The Bible teaches we are at spiritual warfare. That there are fiery darts that are being hurled at the Christian by the powers of darkness. That there is a real Satan that is after real Christians and seeks to bring real destruction to our life. Now in the day-to-day life in which you and I live, the paranormal, the paradimensional, the spiritual aspects of reality, as I just said, are scoffed at. And I mean, this happens even in our churches, right? Even in our churches where we're supposed to be directly in contact with spiritual issues, we are far more materialistic and far more now-oriented rather than being otherworldly and eternal-oriented. But I want to remind you, Christian, I want to remind you that there is a spiritual world that we are involved with. I mean, just to use another phrase to try to get your attention, there is another dimension. There are beings, there are powers of darkness, there is spiritual wickedness in high places, and we are at war with them. And when I take just a few moments and transition now from these experiences that these men have talked about, and from the philosophy that there is a reality of spiritual dimension. And I want us to take just a minute and look at a few avenues by which we need to keep guard in our life. A few specific doors of spiritual dimensions that if we're not careful, we can leave open and allow ourselves to be easy prey to the powers of darkness. In other words, there's some areas where we need to be extra special guarded in. Of course, we need to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, we need to read our Bible. We need to pray. We need to be faithful to church. We need to be telling other people about the Lord. We need to be doing these things. We understand that. But there are some specific areas that we need to be guarded in. Number one, you need to be guarded in old sins from your old life. Now, I'm not talking about just the whole gamut of sins. I'm talking about those specific sins that you liked. Those sins that took their deepest root in you. Maybe it was an addiction of drinking or drugs. Maybe it was temper and anger, violence. More often than not, it's sexual sins. Those men and those women that have encountered fornication, adultery, pornography, those are not sins that easily go away just because you're saved. And those are sins, those sexual sins, are sins that have such tremendous spiritual energy. You don't often hear of preachers falling through alcoholism. And you would think that if ever there was a profession, if ever there was a work that would lend itself to making somebody an alcoholic, it would be being a pastor. But you don't hear pastors falling through drug addiction, alcoholism, even money, not so much. 
But you do hear of pastors falling the sin of of fornication and adultery. Marriages struggle. Men today can, with one click of the mouse in front of their computer, see more than their fathers and grandfathers could have ever seen in a lifetime. There's something very, very, very spiritually charged about sexual sins. And so I, I want to encourage each and every Christian, whether it's sexual sins or addictions or attitudes or whatever it is, you know in your heart some of those old sins that really took deep root. Those are where you need to guard. Those are where you need to be honest. Those are where you need to be accountable. Those are where you need to have some accountability partners. Guard your old sins from your old life. Secondly, the television. Now, I know that as soon as I say television, um, that might pigeonhole me, or you might think that I'm some sort of old, foggy, weird fundamentalist and that kind of thing. I'm not. I like TV as much as the next man. But I'm going to be honest with you, without sounding too freaky, there is something powerful and addictive about television. There's something about its impact upon us in our sight, upon our sound, upon our soul. There's something about those airwaves and something about those images that we just don't fully understand right now in this dimension and crossing into the next dimension of spirituality. I'm really bad about having the television on in the background. I'm really bad about wasting needless time watching things that are garbage on TV. And the fact is, you can be watching a fine, decent program and it go to commercial and there's a half-naked woman in the shower. I mean, we have to be very, 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 very guarded, very guarded about the television. I'm not saying in every case, but in more cases than we realize, television is a conduit used by spiritual demons and spiritual beings around us. I really believe that. The third thing is music. Not all music has to be Christian in nature. And I'll go ahead and say in parenthesis here that a lot of the crap that they do call Christian music is just that. Sewage. Garbage. I'm not saying that every song you listen to has to be Christian. But what I am saying is that you have to be careful about the music that you're listening to and how it affects us in our moods and our thoughts. For instance, some songs are just good. I listen to them and they make me tap my foot and I have a good time and no problem whatsoever. But there are some songs that I listen to that they bring back memories. And there are even other songs that I listen to that bring back sights and sounds and smells and feelings, even longings and desires that I thought have been dormant for years. Better be careful about the music that you listen to. And I also want to plug a little warning here for parents and for young people. This idea of our young people walking around with earbuds in their ears being detached from reality and that music being pumped into their soul and mind with no filter, with no oversight, that's a dangerous thing and should not be so. Number four, friends, people you hang around with. I know it sounds rough to say it, but you'd be surprised at the powerful demonic spiritual influences that people and crowds can have upon you. I think that's one of the reasons why the Bible speaks so much about Christian fellowship and brotherly love, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, being together. Look, just as people are Holy Spirit-filled, 
and others are saturated with the presence of God, and they give off that vibe, and they give off that fruit of the Spirit, and they give off that wonderful feeling. So there are people that have a negative influence upon us because they are saturated with the spirit of the world, saturated with the powers of darkness, in some cases even saturated and filled with demonic forces themselves. There are people that have direct negative influence upon us, and we need to be aware of them. I'll tell you something. Any situation where a believer is outnumbered by unbelievers, you can be sure that that can be a tool used by the powers of darkness. Now you take a Christian and let them be vociferous, let them be loud and bombastic about the cause of Christ in church, in the fellowship hall, in the church gymnasium. You take that same Christian and you drop them on a baseball field or you drop them on a football field or a softball field or a soccer ball field or you drop them with their friends down on the job. You let them be outnumbered by sinners and find out how quick that Christian is quiet. Find out how often they let the name of the Lord be taken in vain. How often they let dirty jokes be told. How often they let things go by where they would have been bold and big and bad and now all of a sudden they find themselves outnumbered and they're not so spiritually bad as they thought they were. Case in point, Peter. Though all men reject thee and flee from thee, Jesus, I never will. He was even willing to take his sword out as long as he had a sword. But you take Peter and drop him by the fire where he's outnumbered. The powers of darkness got him to be able to curse the Savior three times. If it can happen to Peter, it can happen to you. No Christian has any business hanging out, uh, partying, befriending, being around the world's crowd for any length of time. That's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous path to be on. Number five is unintended thoughts. Unintended thoughts. Those thoughts that seem to come from nowhere. Now, I'm not certain of all, uh, of all the electromechanical workings and the spiritual dimensions that are at play. But I do believe, I do believe that the powers of darkness can influence us in the realm of thought if we're not careful. There are times when thoughts can race across our brains without our even knowing where they came from, or why that topic would even come up. Some of it, maybe even most of it, is our own sinful nature. I understand that. But some of it can be the powers of darkness. Sometimes thoughts can come, and desires can come, and we don't really realize where they came from. could be the powers of darkness, spiritual wickedness. That is why we have to have our minds filled with the Bible, with good music, guarding ourselves against unintended and unwanted thoughts. And when those thoughts do come across our mind, when those thoughts do find themselves there, we bring them under the blood and the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is by no means whatsoever an exhausted list. But what I'm trying to get across into your mind today, Christian, is that here are three men from three vastly different spiritual backgrounds. And all of these men are saying, what the Bible says. In essence, the powers of darkness are real. The spiritual world is real. So as believers, be sober. Be vigilant. Because you have an adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. 
Be wise. Be close to Jesus. Guard these doorways and keep them shut. And may the Lord be with you.